Hello and welcome to Ravelin's podcast. Today I have the pleasure of speaking with Tony Sless, a fraud risk management consultant and founder of the Fraud Women's Network. Tony is a powerful advocate of professional women supporting each other, and I'm very excited to have her on this podcast. Today we'll be discussing her fantastic organization and her fraud insights for 2021. So hello, Tony. Thank you for coming on our podcast today. Oh, hello, Grace. Thank you very much for having me, both yourself and Ravelin. This is a great opportunity. Thank you. Oh, well, we're very excited to have you. So thank you for giving us your time. So just to get started, could you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Yes, of course. Happy to, Grace. I'm a fraud risk management consultant. Um, I provide strategic and advisory services to FTSE 100 organisations relating to all aspects of fraud risk management. I'm also very proudly um, the founder and chairwoman of the Fraud Women's Network, which was established in 2007. Um, its success, though, I have to add, um, has only been made possible thanks to our patrons, um, the board and steering committee of the Fraud Women's Network, both past and present, and of course, our members. Um, I also mentor many women in various disciplines, including cybersecurity and other facets of security. I work with my local community, um, promoting local interests, improving housing conditions, amenities, security in the environment. And I'm very proud to sit on the board of trustees of the African Community School, which is a local community um, initiative here, which does some fabulous work in, in the area. And I also sit on the editorial board of the Cabinet Officers Public Sector Counter Fraud Journal and a Scambassador for National Trading Standards e-crime team promoting safety and awareness about scams. Well, you are an extremely busy person. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, it keeps it keeps me busy and occupied, particularly at the moment. Um, and and really love all the work that I do as well. Oh, good. And um, so, how did you get started in fraud prevention and go on to have such a fantastic career? Wow. Yes. Um, well, it started a long time ago. Originally, I started working in the music industry. Who knew? Um, <laughs> but unfortunately, that um, given the time and the climate as it was then, um, didn't last as long as I wanted it to. And, and sadly, ended up come, um, being out of work for some time. And to make sure that I got back into work, um, I was strongly recommended that I should do some sort of course and decided randomly to do a legal secretarial course, um, which actually ended up putting me in good stead in the long run. I ended up getting a couple of good jobs straight off the bat of, of finishing the course and then became an executive assistant and started working for General Electric, uh, which was a long, long, long time ago. And back then, very lovely chap by the name of Ron Warmington started working at the company um, GE and he needed to, um, someone to uh, support him on various projects. Um, bear in mind back then I was still an executive assistant. Um, I wasn't assigned to him um, originally and then when he joined I was assigned to him but I couldn't manage both workloads for him and for the um, lawyers that I was working for at the time. He wanted to support me though um, and in fact turned out to be more supportive than the ladies that I was working for at the time and he took me under his wing and I ended up working for him and he was um, head of um, fraud risk and fraud prevention at GE um, for Europe and, and latterly I believe globally 
Um, and he took me under his wing and promoted me um, and started working on, as his fraud analyst. I learned what I did very quickly thanks to him. And that started my career 20 odd years ago. Wow. Um, yeah, because the reason I asked is that you've said in our previous conversations that people often fall into working in the fraud industry and then find that they absolutely love it. So of what is it that you love so much about your job that's given you such a, a long um, career? Um, I think it's the problem solving around things, um, particularly around fraud, because it's interesting. The landscape's forever changing. The MO may not change, but the enablers to the fraud um, does. And you're trying to stay one step ahead of the fraudster. So you're constantly busy, constantly thinking about what it is, the dynamics and, and how that's impacting consumers, businesses and employees as well. Um, and you're trying to understand how they're targeting consumers as a, and a business. And for every new product that's launched, and indeed every change in a product, the fraudster's going to try and break it and try and gain a pecuniary money advantage. So we have to think how we can stop them from doing this. So it, it just becomes a dynamic, ever-evolving situation, which I think is, is really, really interesting. Um, and it's interestingly, though, it's the same for the people on the other side, the fraudsters. After all, they're always trying to stay one step ahead of us as well. Mm -hmm. um, like us, they're running a business with their own team. So it's trying to maintain that dynamics. And, and because of that constant evolving environment just makes it very exciting and very interesting. Um, and likewise, uh, we're always learning as technology continues to develop too. So it constantly keeps us involved. Mm, yeah. So um, going back to the Fraud Women's Network, um, I'd love to know how it started and why it started. What were you, what were you looking for when you founded the network? I think let's, let's take a step back um, just a little bit. When I first started out, and I know I keep saying that, but it, it is very important. Um, I was advised that my contacts are extremely important. They are important generally, but particularly important in the area of fraud prevention and, and all manner of security, as you'll never know when you'll need them for advice, sharing best practice, looking at investigations and the like. And when I first started out, I was introduced to lots of people in the industry, but actually all of them were men. And it really surprised me. I was like, surely there must be women that, mm -hmm. that work in this field as well. So as I started to gain more confidence and, and meet people on my own, I actually started meeting a few women. But interestingly, none of them knew each other, which surprised me because the guys did. And it seemed back then a bit like a um, an old boys club. Um, sorry, guys, but it did. And therefore, I thought it would be a really good idea for us women to meet on a regular basis, like the guys did. Um, so we set about meeting over dinner and a glass of wine. And from that, we saw benefit of formalizing what was then a little network of, of a group of, it started off with two or three of us and then became eight of us, um, formalizing the, the, this little network to a wider female audience um, as we learned so much from each other. 
So therein began um, the start of the Ford Women's Network. We set about developing a business plan, what our objectives and our aims were going to be, how we would reach our audience, uh, the types of people that we wanted involved, not just women, but men to support as well. Um, and therein, we launched in 2007 to an audience of over 200 people. Um, and back then, it was the first female network of its kind in the industry. And we were just so proud of, of getting all of those people together. As I said, we agreed what our objectives would be, and that would be to support, nurture, and champion women in the fraud prevention arena, offer events on industry-related subjects, and provide opportunities for women to network together, pro provide advice on career progression. Um, we offer mentoring, we still do, and of course, provide friendship, advice, and support. That said, though, when we founded the network, we didn't have you know, a clear, clear set five-year plan or indeed thought we'd still be going today and that there would be a, network, a need for the network some 14 years later. But given the consistent return of members and of course new members joining all the time, um, there clearly is still such a need for the network. Yeah, and that's, um, that's amazing. I love, I love hearing about the work that you've done. Um, with the Fraud Women's Network and that you say it, it is an inclusive space it's not exclusive and you gladly welcome men to join um, it's such an encouraging space um, and like you said yeah it's still here and thriving 14 years later so what do you think still needs to be done as a woman in the workplace and in the fraud prevention arena and why is it that we still need the Fraud Women's Network? So I think women still face gender issues in the workplace. And I think it's fair to say that it's not just in the security industry. I think it's a given that it's, it's across all industries, irrespective of what they are. But there is still great work. There is work being done now to... Um, improve diversity and inclusion. And I really applaud the businesses that are doing that. It's been a long time coming. It's a shame that we still have to do it, but industry is embracing that and doing more towards it. Um, and as I said, I didn't think, you know, 14 years on that there'd still be a need for a network for women in this industry, but there is. I think there are some barriers though for women, certainly in our area and security in general, um, but particularly fraud risk, there's no clear defined um, career path that you can go down um, for those that are wishing to get involved in the arena. There certainly wasn't for me, um, unless you're willing to take a master's in security or a similar qualification, or if you're fortunate enough, but you still got to study and you've got an accounting or auditing background, coding, analytical or risk management background. So you're reliant on people supporting you or giving you that leg up, as I was so lucky, um, so to speak, and seeing the benefit of your skills or being in the right place at the right time. I know some organizations are recruit, great at recruiting women and have seen equal measure in teams of men and women, but not at more senior levels. Mm. 
And I think that's where we're seeing a problem. Um, not least because I think people don't move as frequently within our industry. Once they've got to that level, they don't necessarily step down or aside for someone else, male or female, to step into their shoes. Um, and I think it's also fair to say, though, that going back to that point, that there are a few women that sit at board level mm. or at other senior levels. So, for example, if we're sitting in a meeting, um, particularly a senior meeting, you'll probably see, for example, 10 men round the table, maybe one or two women. Mm. Not all the time, but it's, it's fairly consistent, sadly. Um, several of my um, female peers have succeeded, which is, you know, fabulous. I look at some of the people that are on our board, um, on our steering committee, and, and equally our patrons, you know, who, who have succeeded. But they've had to push hard, really hard to get where they are. Mm. Can that be the same said for men? I don't know. That is, a, I'm sure, a contentious question, but I do sometimes wonder. But I really want to add here, let's not be negative. I don't want to be negative. I'm just highlighting the, the differences. Since I started out in this field, there's been some progress, which is a huge positive. There's been some significant progress. And there are more women in our industry and certainly more, more overall now in, in security as a whole. So I think progress has been made since I started that some 20 odd years ago. And let's keep that going. And also, I personally have had massive support and encouragement from many men and, of course, women, um, for which I'm extremely grateful. And equally to those men um, who've also been strong advocates of the Fraud Women's Network and see great merit in it. So, you know, thank you. As, as you say, they're welcome um, to attend some of our meetings, not all of them, because they are specifically related for women and building up their confidence in a safe environment. But, you know, they are welcome. And, and if I started naming people, I, I would fear of actually missing someone off and someone um, being upset by it. But I, I think those men that I know know how very pleased and, and encouraged by the support they've given not only the Fraud Women's Network, but I say personally for me as well. So thank you, guys. Yeah, that, that's really lovely. And and you're right. I think it's we definitely there's definitely been progress made. I mean, I've only recently started in my career and everyone, men and women, have been so supportive and progressive in their outlook. And unfortunately, it's just it still is there, that kind of barrier that we need to break down. And it's great that you're doing this work. Thank you. I, I think one of the things is no one actually knows what the answer is. Mm. You know, um, I've worked in organisations where there has been some clear talent, and, and particularly of people that are junior, but because of the barriers within the company as to how they promote and and or they don't have the headcount or they don't have the role, so they have to write one specially. There are, and I get it, there are business constraints, but sometimes if you, if an organization and or a manager sees the merit in someone, maybe we need to be a little bit more, um, 
inventive as to how we can actually push those people forward and, and support them. And not even inventive, but, but actually, what can we do to nurture that talent? Mm, absolutely. So moving on, um, we're in the first weeks of 2021, and um, it's been a turbulent start to the year already. Um, England has just entered another national lockdown. Uh, COVID-19 is still a massive crisis. And unfortunately, as, as one of the side effects, it's created opportunities for fraudsters, um, or rather fraudsters have used the crisis to their advantage. So I've, I'm sure you have as well. I've heard about multiple vaccine-related scams, um, for instance, like emails mimicking the NHS and things like yeah. that. So I think it's really important that we talk about the impact of, that these extraordinary times are having on the fraud world. So in relation to all of this kind of overwhelming context, what do you see as the biggest fraud risks to businesses out there at the moment and going forward? Sadly, there are a lot of fraud risks out there. However, businesses are jumping up and managing them. Um, I think there's going to be a higher risk of internal fraud mm -hmm. um, due to people working from home. Now, let's be fair, you know, not everybody is going to commit internal fraud or employee fraud. Um, but I think, you know, businesses have had to mobilize workforces with pace, <laughs> rapid pace. They may not have had their business continuity plans up to spec to manage such migration and plan against potential risks. Employees have access to data that may not be as secure as it would have been in an office environment. For example, people can take mobile, uh, photographs using mobile devices um, of customer, employee data, uh, business data. Perhaps the controls won't be as tight or weren't as tight, but now have become tighter um, as they would have been in the office environment. A lot of people are at risk of losing their job, have been furloughed or may have lost their job. Therefore, as I say, not all, but the odd few employee may feel aggrieved and rationalize the opportunities made available to them to take advantage of reduced security protocols or changes to security pro protocols. So I think that is one of the, the small risks, but I think it is a risk. And I think we may not see it now, but we may see it further down. Remote working um, may also mean that it's more difficult to, qu uh, to quickly fix problems um, that threaten internal security. Um, I could wax lyrical for ages, but I won't because I know that we've got limited time. So mm -hmm. equally, you know, more broadly, there's threats to customers, as we've already talked about, um, phishing, uh, what's also known as whaling fraud or CEO fraud, scams, text messages, account takeover, impersonation fraud, as you mentioned earlier on. More vulnerable people or people that are not as tech savvy are being forced online because it's the only way they can get supplies or, you know, um, access to, to friends and family and stuff. They may not have the right security on their devices to better protect against phishing, online fraud, etc. They may not be aware of how to spot fake websites or indeed could be tricked into giving away personal data or banking data. I'm going to mention a couple of useful campaigns 
Um, one of them is led by UK Finance, and it's a Take Live campaign. It offers straightforward and impartial advice to help everyone protect themselves from preventable financial fraud. Definitely worth looking at. And similarly, Friends Against Scams offers good advice too about how to spot scams and equally how to support victims. I urge people if they're concerned about one, they don't know what they're looking at to take five and have a look at that. And equally to have a look at the Friends Against Scams sites because it gives some really good sound advice. Yeah, and I think it's so easily done, isn't it? Um, I think anyone, even us working in the fraud industry can very easily too quickly click on a link and then you've let a fraudster in um, and it's just so easily done. So that's really good advice. So yeah, and from your, your response, it sounds like the employees themselves are a fraud risk to businesses and the online security, which makes it quite a difficult problem to solve. Um, do you think it is fair to say that the employees and the, the humans behind the screens are the weakest link um, for businesses and their fraud risks? And if so, then how do you tackle this problem? I think humans predominantly can be the weakest link when it comes to security, because no matter how good the individual is, if they click on a link that they think is genuine because it's um, spoofed and it looks like it um, may have come from someone, but actually it's not, then that could let in a whole heap of, of trouble for an organization. But I think, you know, if policies, procedures and processes aren't robust, tested and reviewed on a regular basis and training and awareness rolled out regularly, then can you actually blame the humans? Mm. You need to have the right tone from the top as well. Again, it's that continuous training and awareness about fraud risks to the business, personnel and customers and continued enforcement of both internal and external fraud policies. And of course, you can't forget having a decent incident response plan. Irrespective the is the incident, whether it be human failure, failure in technology or an external attack. You've got to make sure that you have the right incident um, response plan in place. So what advice would you give to women working in fraud or just starting out in the industry? So a nice way of imagining it is if you could go back in time and speak to yourself at the beginning of your career and give yourself some advice, what would you say? I think, you know, one of the most important things that happened to me was having a mentor. And that mentor was the guy that saw that I mentioned earlier, Ron, who very kindly took me under his wing. So I think, you know, get a mentor, male or female, and also a business spent sponsor. So a mentor could be someone inside the business or outside. Um, sometimes I think it's useful to have someone outside of the, your business um, because they'll see things more objectively and more impartially. But definitely get a business sponsor because that person um, will be someone that's within the business. They'll guide you. They'll champion you. They'll offer advice and have your back when you're going for promotions or other career progression. Um, 
and they will believe in you. And I, I think it's really important to nurture those um, relationships and also <laughs> network, <laughs> learn from industry peers and, of course, seniors understands what's going on in the industry, for example, the threats that they're facing, share best practice and knowledge. And dare I say, I appreciate it's promoting the Fraud Women's Network, <laughs> but join. You get to meet great women who understand and will support and guide you. Um, and also, of course, the guys when they're there as well. And you'll continue to learn about fraud and that way you'll continue to evolve. Mm. Well, thank you so much for that advice and for your time today I've really loved speaking with you you're welcome Grace thank you ever so much for the time and opportunity and it really is a pleasure to meet you absolutely such a pleasure and to those of you who are listening if you want to learn more about anything we discussed today you will find more information on our website